listening to SBU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. Each week, we will be recapping episodes of Law & Order SVU. Following the recap, we'll bring you our true crime chaser. Because Law & Order is ripped from the headlines, I'll be telling you a true story that relates to the SVU episode in that it either influenced the episode or is similar in content. And if you're here strictly for the true crime of it all and you're not interested in a fun, sassy SVU journey, we'll have the timestamp of the chaser in the episode notes. Yeah, you can just skip ahead. Yeah. You dick. (laughs) So we're starting with the pilot. It only makes sense to go back 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, This last September, September 30th, was the 20-year anniversary of SVU, right? I think it was the 20th season started. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. And the anniversary was the same thing. The pilot is entitled Payback, Season 1, Episode 1. First scene, it's night, it's raining, there's a car accident, and the detectives pull up. The first words ever uttered on this show are two incredible detective angels introducing themselves, Mm -hmm. Olivia Benson and Elliot Stabler. Mm -hmm. Angel baby detectives. Precious little cradle in my arms, (laughs) angel baby detectives. They sleep in my pocket. I love them. <laughs> Sometimes I put sunflower seeds. I just put, oh my god! Put I ate like a whole kernel. It's like three days worth of food, popcorn. <laughs> so they're getting the report from the on-site officer: white male, mid thirties, multiple stab wounds. And the dance to find out why they call SVU happens, and it comes out that the dude's got his dick cut off too. Mm-hmm. And like, oh yeah, it's an accident. He got stabbed. Also, his dick's missing. Mm-hmm. So then it right goes off to, the bat, episode one, a dick is gone. Ten seconds in. Like, you had me. You got mm-hmm. me. You got the whole country. Right. You got the whole world. Did you forget that this was SVU? Oh, this guy's missing his dick. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to the, the opening credits. Um, I noticed a couple things. Uh, Chris Maloney becomes Christopher Maloney at some point. But in this, the very first one, he's a young actor, so... He's Chris Maloney, and I assume that he just becomes Christopher Maloney with age, maturity, and wisdom. When he hits 40, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll find out. We'll keep we'll keep that. We'll make sure you guys know that the moment it happens. As soon as he's Christopher Maloney, we're going to have a grown-up celebration. <laughs> and at the end of the credits, too, Craig and Benson, Stabler, and Munch. Are... <laughs> Every time I see it. I, when I was watching the episode, I literally paused to like laugh and like I rewound it because of this. So these two, these double doors open in the precinct at the very end of the like, and the four of them are walking in tandem shoulder to shoulder through these double doors. The, the most unnatural way to enter a room. Oh. They couldn't decide who was the most important. I feel like it's none like, of them. That's the answer. That's the answer. Yeah. Well, it only makes sense for them to. I only want them to enter a room that way. Hey, there's only a single door here. Figure it out, guys. Out. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to have to get some of our ribs removed. This is happening. <laughs> so the, the show starts in the precinct. The team is tossing around detective lingo, discussing the case. Craig commands the room. He immediately shows himself as the You know, he's the captain right off the bat. The Munch. camera's like panning around, like yeah. Every time somebody passes it, it's like following them. Phones for a ringing, and going papers back. shuffling, yeah. busy, it's like, busy. It's like New York precinct, right? That's cute. <laughs> Munch and Jeffries have great banter. 
she's, I love her. Mm -hmm. She's a really great representation when there's not a lot of representation for badass women in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't little, feel, it was like her and Alanis Morissette. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like her and Oprah. Her, Oprah. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. Come through my window. She's white. Tracy Chapman. Katie Lang. That's not Katie Lang. What? Tracy Chapman saying, I fucking I got a fast car. That, that's another. Do, come through my window. That's fucking Katie Lang. That is not Katie Lang. 100%. Unless I'll Katie bet Lang you. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? Um, 10 bucks. Shake 10 my bucks. Hand. Shake Burp. my Shake. Shake. Okay, hold on. You got cash? You Venmo me. Because <laughs> I'm 2019, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I did that. Um, <laughs> come through. I actually do this at karaoke all the time. Come through my window. I don't know how much we can clear on that. Sorry, it's Melissa Etheridge. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a white lady, too, I think. Wait, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's white. Well, who does this? Tracy? She sings that fast car song. Yeah, but... Give me one reason to stay here. That's the that's when I was thinking. Okay. Of. I mean, that was a wash, so like I don't have any shame in it. We don't have do we each have to Venmo each other ten dollars? No, it's it's a it's a push. I want us to each Venmo each other ten dollars. Okay. We'll do that at, when we're done here. Okay. So a young Jimmy, not his name, by the way, but this young little Jimmy comes in to tell Craig about a guy molesting a dead body. And the way Craigan responded was the most seasoned way I've ever seen anything happen in my life. He just rolls his eyes and he's like, oh, that's just terrific. Yeah, it's like the he's, equivalent of like somebody being like, Monday. He's so annoyed. <laughs> Craigan sends everybody off, sending Cassidy to check out the dead molestee and instructing him to fill out a DD-5, which is NYPD talk for a complaint of a follow-up report. Complaint on a follow-up uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in the Supreme Court, um, they used to do this a lot in the early episodes of SVU where they would show them in the different aspects of their job. So in episode one, this like third scene is them in the Supreme Court. Stabler is being questioned by the defense because he's there to testify as the arresting officer. The gist is being the detect that Detective Stabler arrested the defendant for exposing himself just because a couple of ladies told him that this guy was pulling his dick out. Yeah. And he was like, no, I, yeah, they told me that. I'd known both of them for a long time. The attorney keeps coming after Stabler. And starts asking, he starts asking him, like, weird questions about his his own, like, he was like, oh, you knew them, like, intimately? And starts making things about Stabler's sexuality, which had nothing to do with like the weenie wager, end quote. Um, <laughs> like being like, Oh, why are you in SVU? Because right. you're obsessed with sex or whatever. Right. So then Stabler's just keeping his cool, and the defense is like, So you see yourself as the Ken star of the NYPD. There's a lot of Monica Lewinsky cigar, whatever references. In this first episode, there I caught I caught like three references to it. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Google. Hop on the Wikipedes and just look up my... I mean, everybody knows who these people are, but I also am 36. Yeah, there's people that were, like, not even born that I can, like, legally tattoo. That <laughs> that would be like, who? Born. Yeah. Like, Monica Lewis, what, what? 
So Stabler goes on to- Oh, ins- Monica from France? Yeah, I watched that. It's vintage. <laughs> Stabler goes on to insult the defendant's peen size, and it fully goes off the rails. Mm-hmm. Just this defensive masculinity. The, it's disgusting. Yes, the Stab- dude stands up, pulls his dick out in court, flops it all around, and he's like, shortcomings my ass, you putz head. <laughs> And that's the first five minutes of the show Mm -hmm, (laughs) is a dude's got his dick cut off and they're like, "Uh oh, we're missing dicks. This guy's got to pull it out in court. (laughs) Okay, so they're back at the precinct. You'll get there. It's hard for me to say that word for some reason. Say it again. Precinct. There you go. Precinct. Precinct. You just got to slow it down and you can do it. Precinct. It's that C. Mm Mm-hmm. At the precinct, they're at the precinct. The cabbie's hack license was for Victor Spicer, but Victor Spicer is actually in Rikers, so he is couldn't be him. So obviously, like the um, license was stolen mm-hmm. or sold. Yeah, and so they're trying to figure out who this dead guy is. Right. So they go into Craigan's office where Craigan is chomping on some red vines. Yeah, he's like offering a tub of red vines to everybody. He's waving it around. It seems like a really interesting acting choice until we find out later that Craigan is, he's a recovering alcoholic. And as soon as I heard that, I was just like, oh, that makes complete sense because every alcoholic that I know in recovery is a hound for sugar. Yeah. So Craigan has this hack license and he pops out his pocket knife. Two big defining characteristics of Craigan that we've caught is red vines. His red vine af- affinity. And his switchblade. And his, yeah, and his pocket knife yeah. that comes out at lightning speed. He takes out a, a magnifying glass, looks mm-hmm. up closely at that. I'm doing this all with my hands. <laughs> I've got this like, I, I see it. I see it. So I get it. <laughs> so this magnifying glass up to the, up to the license and. Stabler <laughs> leans over to Stabler Olivia. And Olivia. <laughs> yeah. He's Elliot. like, yeah, this is a. Uh... It's cop stuff. What did he say? He leans over to Olivia and he just whispers, it's police work. <laughs> so. Oh, Christopher Maloney. But he, but for good reason, Craigan then takes his pocket knife and the photo that is on the license comes off easily. He peels it off with the knife and sees the real photo. So like the real Victor hey, Spicer. This is the guy that's in Rikers. This guy, this picture of this other thing that got taped on top not him so now you guys need to go over to rikers talk to the real victor spicer find out who he sold his license to so we can find out who this picture is who this dude is yeah so they head to rikers um and i hate the way they portray this fucking guy Mm -hmm. he is some like really lame attempt at doing like a 90s like gay club kid stereotype mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like a very good stereotype right he just had like a little bit of eyeliner on was like oh the police <laughs> you know what i mean it was right. the dumbest shit ever right olivia who would want to cut your penis off and he's like take a number take a number i was like leave him alone <laughs> um so he tells them that the he met he met the the fake the, he met the victim outside of this cabbie coffee shop. He was introduced by another cabbie. And um, he, he kind of thought of him as like a, 
like a, he was a family guy, he assumed, because he had groceries and he must have lived near nearby because. And he had his kid with him. And he has, yeah, his kid. So yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, he showed up with this four or five year old kid. You know, I figured hundred hey, bucks, whatever. Yeah, hundred bucks. I don't care. I can't I can't do this anyway because, you know, I'm in trouble. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So then he turned like they're going to leave and he turns to Stabler and he's like, you doing anything Saturday night? And gives him a little air kiss. And yeah. Stabler's like, oh, I'd hurt you. And Gabe's like, hurt me. <laughs> but what about me? <laughs> so um, the, the summation of them going to visit Victor Spicer at Rikers is they're just letting us know that this guy is gay and he also does sex work on the side. Keep that in mind. Cause... And he sold his hack license. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so they go to this fucking diner. Got the classic exhaust, exhaust, exhausted New York waitress. She's so in the weeds. Yeah. She's to ding, 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 ding. This triggered my former serving experience, and it was brutal. So she recognized a picture of I'm like, the... don't forget their ketchup. <laughs> Side of ranch. Where is it? Um, so she recognized the victim and Spicer. Right. And she just was from like, the diner because it's like oh, a cabbie weird. diner. His name was Victor. Wait, his name was Victor, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, she they inform her that he's dead. And she's like, I hate this city. But there's a guy in the corner who you can kind of see him, like, look it up and listen. And when they're outside, he comes out and starts talking to him. And he's saying that um, the victim's name is Steven. And he had seen him last night. And that, like, two women had hailed. He saw him at, like, midnight or something. And then they, like, were like, hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And, like, two women hailed him. And that was, like, the last time he saw him. Yeah. And then he told them that, um, oh, he loves his kid. Because uh, he's got this four or five year old kid, loves him, and his wife. They just found out his wife was pregnant. Yeah. So then they're back at the precinct, and Munch tells them about speaking with the cab dispatcher. Um, someone called to ask about Victor Spicer working and the times that he was working, and the person on the phone couldn't identify if they were male or female. There is a donut exchange. Craigan's all all about it. Craigan is he's in like, that box of donuts. He's a he's a method actor. <laughs> And he's sticking to it. Oh, I would method act the shit out of some donuts. <laughs> so then Olivia goes, whoever did it probably thought they were killing that disco queen in Rikers. Like, so yeah. snotty. I can't hold on to this, but I was hot in my chest <laughs> when I saw her say that. It's like, come on, be better. So then a call comes in with Steven's address. I feel like we need to... Well... <laughs> Stabler is thinking that this is a gay thing. He keeps saying a gay thing. It's Ugh. like he he keeps thinking that it was like some kind of lover. Everybody He's just really keeps stuck on the gay on the, shit. On the gay thing, yeah. Because the guy at Rikers like batted his eyes at him or whatever. At yeah. this point, they're still like, oh, the wrong person was killed. Yeah, they were you like, know? they were thinking, okay, they were Spicer trying... was supposed to get killed. Right. And so he's apparently like a piece of shit. Yeah, everybody so. that they come in contact with that talks about Victor Spicer the real Victor Spicer that's in Rikers Island hates him. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler go to the apartment where they meet Steven's wife. Steven's the dead guy. I feel like it gets confusing because it's like, it's this name and this name and this name. I kept saying Vic and then Victor, Vic and then Victor. Mm -hmm. like So at this point, Victor Spicer will only be the guy at Rikers. Steven Panacek is victim. The victim. And then that changes again. Don't. <gasps> oh um, so the music swells as this wife panic questions his well-being and his where's about or his where's about. 
Where's about my husband? <laughs> and uh, Tina Benko is the actress, and I just wanted to say her name out loud because she did an incredible job. Really? I thought she sucked. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for her. I think it's... She's like, oh, I... <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, I thought it was... Ugh. And then the fake, when she dropped her groceries and the fake, like, jar exploding noise. <laughs> Why? <sighs> I would have been like, even if that, even if I was that... Even if my dad had died and I was a five-year-old kid, I'd be like, Mom, dude, you're fucking extra right now, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry, lady, you suck. The one the one piece of information they got from her is that he was here illegally, her husband. And she's che he's Czech or something. Yeah, she says that it, they asked what nationality he was for, oh, because he was an immigrant or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know why that was a pertinent question, but she said he's Czech. Well, he, because they, you know, maybe there's somebody from a different country that's after him or... Oh, I you know, guess just so. having all the, having all the information is like better. True. So back at the precinct, Stabler hangs up the phone. Stab wounds, thirty-seven of them. This still reads gay to me. Why? <laughs> and they had found a thirty-seven stab wounds. Normally that wouldn't read gay, but I could smell it. <laughs> it's my nineties. Well, there was also like there was a piece of a fingernail with red na yeah. nail polish on it. He's red like... nail polish was found in the front seat of the cab. This is the toughest scene I feel like of the whole episode so benson goes dispatcher said he thought it may have been a woman and craigan says kind of undercuts your gay theory huh stabler says oh my god could be a he she olivia it the it cuts to just olivia <laughs> giggling about that yeah like there's a whole just cut camera on olivia for a giggle like <laughs> she's like oh and i hated that yeah don't laugh at that joke olivia you're better than that so Craigan speculates that a couple of Victor's busted Johns were married and the wives could be angry with him. And like maybe try to kill him. Yeah. So, but he had sold his hack license. So that's why Steven got killed instead of him and da da da. So this mm. is, Craigan's always throwing out educated guesses as far as like where things could go. So he, it, he can usually push things along. I mean, he's the captain for a reason. Mm-hmm. They have to go interview all the wives of these yeah. people. So yeah. they go to interview like the the husbands um, who were busted with Victor Spicer and like ask them about their wives and whatever. Munch and Cassidy uh, go to the Dupree Investment Group and they're questioning one of Victor's former Johns. So this is just like spinning toxic masculinity oh because God. they're judging his sexual proclivities and he's getting super keyed up and aggressive and things get physical and munch had asked him like where was your wife last night and he's like in her wheelchair she's paraplegic why do you think i was in the back of a cab getting busted by the damn sex police <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> but then munch is like good question if it was a female prostitute yeah like f why'd you have to throw that in like who gives a fuck like how yeah. he just like made fun of him for being into dudes right either way it's on your fucking business munch yeah what are you worried about just, okay, his wife's in a wheelchair. That should be the end of the conversation. This is why I hate Munch. Next person is this dude that got busted. He's in some art dude. I don't care who he is or what he does, but I fucking love him. Yeah, okay? I like him too. So his my favorite quote he says is, unfortunately, I can't do it. You do it. You did such a good job with the other one. What? Okay. By the sex police. Like, <laughs> you got to do this one too. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, they go, Benson and Stabler go to talk to this guy at his art gallery. It's all mouths. Um, 
Yeah, it's all it's all paintings of mouths. And I'm pretty sure that Victor Spicer, it was just implied that maybe he was some sort of muse for this guy because he's like, oh, he had, what was the quote? He I says, un- he's like, unfortunately, Victor Spicer is a disgusting little piece of street meat. <laughs> You're great. But he has an extraordinarily gifted orifice in the middle of his face. <laughs> and they're like side-eyeing each other because like. Because they're the sex crimes unit, but they're uncomfortable by this guy. By this guy having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so his wife knows, they're like, what was your wife up to? Did she know about whatever? And he was like, yeah, she's bisexual and prefers ladies. She didn't mind. She knew, like me and all, like my wife and all of my friends knew. He owns it in a way that is very far ahead of his time. Yeah. Like not even a, not even like a, like how dare you make me defend myself? It was just like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's like, she knows, I know, all our friends know, it's the circle we run in and we're fine with it. So, and we have nothing to hide. And if you want to call my wife. He was like, we were at Elaine's with four of our friends, which was like some, I'm sure, probably has a lot of like exposed brick. He wrote the number down and gives it to Olivia and was like, you should definitely give her a call because his wife is bi. (gasps) I didn't catch that. I know that was the first time I did too. And she was like, Olivia, or whatever. (laughs) All right, so we're in the precinct. Fuck. Don't delete any of my mistakes for precinct because I need to learn. <laughs> Craigan is talking to Stabler and he was like, just like, by the way, his real name isn't Stephen Panic Panachek, Panachek or whatever. His real name is Stefan Tanzig. He's not Czech. He's a uh, Siberian. And Serbian. He, what did I say? Siberian. Oh, yeah, no. He's a Siberian husky. He heads up his sled dog racing. And his real team. name is Balto. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? <laughs> Get the kids the medicine. Is that what you were going to say? Were you going to say Balto or not? I was trying to think of that Kevin Costner movie with the dog sled racing. Oh, wait. No, never mind. <laughs> that's not. That's not what that is. I think that's Cuba Gooding Jr. I was also, I was combining a bunch of movies, including Dances with Wolves, uh, Sled Dogs, <laughs> and Balto. So he's Serbian. He's a Siberian. A Serbian. He's Serbian. He's uh, under indictment for war crimes. The war crimes crimes include ethnic cleansing. He was um, a commander of an ethnic cleansing yeah. unit. There were 67 women that he raped. Probably more, but what they have. Uh, 15 survived. Mm-hmm. And five of them are in New York. Yeah, Olivia, so- and, and Craigan's like, we're assuming Olivia's like new to the crew. And he's like, you have to remind her that we don't, we can't pick the Vic because she's not going to be happy if she can't handle this. Like she can't be in SVU. Right. Because yep. SVU is a volunteer bait. Like you have to be a cop, obviously, but you volunteer to be in that unit. And so they all have different motives for wanting to be in that unit. And um, Stablers, they kind of go over when he's sitting, when he's testifying in court. And Olivia's, we'll find out, is like very yeah. personal why, yeah. why she's in that unit but from here on out it kind of redirects her purpose in this particular investigation yeah so craig and tells stabler stabler then relays it to olivia she rightfully is like oh so he's a rapist like Mm -hmm. i it was really hard for me not to drop a bunch of fucks (laughs) like he's a fucking rapist yeah okay so how many women you know yeah she's pissed so she's just going down the checklist of like why she hates this guy now and is told that they don't get to pick the Vic and da 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 They're in the office of the medical examiner. Uh, Benson, Stabler, and the medical examiner walk in on the first guy to ever play a dead body on Law and Order SVU. Oh, I didn't even think of that. And he is nailing it. <laughs> He's dead, look dead as fuck. 
Do you know who that actor was? Hmm. I don't know. I was asking you. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were like, do you know who that actor Brad was? Brad Pitt. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, my God. <laughs> she dressed in male drag. And I, why am I being uh, fucking. Is that what a medical examiner sounds like to you? <laughs> she sounds like Susie Orman. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> wait, wait. Now I'm getting Family like. Family first, then money. She has a little bit of JFK in her. Mm-hmm. A lot of women did. I was oh, good. No, I, was, I was. I was. I paused because I was trying to think of. You nailed it. That was. Mm. There was nothing better. Um. So the medical examiner tells them that the stab wounds she found imply more than one person with more than one knife did the crime, which kind of brings us back full circle to the two women that were last seen getting into his cab. Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler show up unannounced to talk to Steven's widow, and Benson is pissed. She passionately confronts her about his war crimes. She's like, he's not Czech, he's Serbian. He was a good father. She's like, he was a fucking rapist. The lady knew the things he did. She's like, it was politics. And I was like, mm. I think, she, yeah, she My decided- My nipples are diamonds right now, just even talking about it. Oh like, yeah. She decided to believe his version of events. I mean, to me, like that's the only way that someone could be okay with being in a yeah. relationship with someone who had committed that kind of like heinous shit. Olivia goes nuts on her. So Olivia goes nuts. This very, woman is very, very defensive un, and very un Olivia. Yeah, because it's like technically this lady's like also a victim. Mm-hmm. So outside, Benson and Stabler are having some classic detective banter. Uh, sometimes they switch roles for these moments, but in this particular moment, she's worked up, he's upset, she couldn't chill, and she's like, fuck this dude, his wife lied, she's pissed at everybody. Stabler talks her off the ledge because she doesn't want to lose her spot on the SVU. Um, her passions run very deep about this, like rightly so, right? Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler uh, go to question a woman who was a vic of like, Stefan Tan. Yeah, it's one of the five that live in the New York area. Yeah, so they're just, like, starting to check these off the list of, like, who could be a suspect. They're closing in. They When they see this woman, they realize she couldn't have done it because she's blind and has scars all over her face. But she's she hears his name and starts, like, freaking shaking out. and freaking out. And this old woman comes behind her and, like, is, like, comforting her. And she's like, he did this to me, you know. And Olivia, like, so satisfied, just goes, he's dead. And the girl just that breathes and calms right that down. lady was an awesome actress yeah yeah she yeah she, she like you could see like even her eyebrows were like oh, i can relax like, yeah so olivia finally... got to tell her that like don't worry he's dead he can't find you he can't like mm-hmm. yeah that was powerful outside at the car olivia's pulling herself together after she barfed yeah and stabler's oh. like remember that tom hanks movie where he manages a girl team <laughs> there's no crying in baseball he says to another cop Oh, first shit. of all, everybody knows it's called a league of their own. Every badass woman in the 90s was like, yeah, some representation for fucking women and watched a league of their own 900 times. They might not have been able to say it legally. He, he, he actually didn't even say Tom Hanks. He's like, remember that baseball movie about he didn't say Tom Hanks. He's like, remember that movie that, about baseball where that guy manages all the ladies? It's no crying. And you like get what it is. I mean, you never see him like, hey, we're going to go to the next. Then um, let's skip that. X-Men movie or whatever. Let's <laughs> like, skip that scene then. Let's skip that scene. 
because all it did was take me completely out of where they were at because nobody would say it, it's this was the equivalent this was the movie reference equivalent of dialing five 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 one two three four it takes me out of the moment <laughs> she's gonna know what you mean when you say a league of their own so they go to the next ladies what if Tom Hanks like <laughs> don't fucking say my name <laughs> uh they go to the next the next woman's apartment who is in that list of five uh and they're speaking with her early Seinfeld George Costanza husband. He was way hotter. You think so? Yeah. I think he looked like early 90s George Costanza. Hmm. She's an architect and they're just, you know, asking him softball questions. A little boy runs in. He might be four or five. Benson and Stabler are totally shook because he's a dead ringer for Stefan mm-hmm. or Kel. <laughs> for <laughs> Steph- what's his name? Then I knew like Stefan Tanzik. <laughs> And they're like, uh, hey, how long have you guys been married? You know, and so he's like, we've been married a year. I'm this little guy's stepdad. Her first husband died. When they get outside, they're both just like, "Mm mm-mm, that's... Mm -hmm. that's They for sure think that Marta's like one of the killers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They part ways, Olivia and Benson. Jesus, Olivia and Steve. Oh, wait. Well, I didn't... I didn't notice this until this time. Like, I missed this whole thread of shit. When they were outside, she's all worked up. And Benson's like, yeah, I got to go to this parent-teacher conference. Like, we'll get to this later. Mm. And Olivia's like, yeah, I just need to, you know, whatever. I need walk, to walk this off a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to go take a moment. They split up. And Olivia's like, fuck that. I'm making a phone call. I'm going to deal with some shit on my own. Mm-hmm. Because now she's running on emotion instead of yeah. police. So they they split up, mm-hmm. and she she runs to the architect place that um, Marta works at. So they talk to Marta. She talks to Marta. Olivia's like, he's dead. And she was like, okay. She's like, well, I can see you're really affected by that. She's like, bro, here's all the shit he did to me. He was my neighbor. He fucking raped me for like 23 days and told me he was going to kill me. Yeah, I don't give a shit if he's dead. It was pretty intense. It was a lot. It was, All the yeah. things that she said. I was like, yeah, and Olivia was like, okay, well, talk to you later. You know, so it was. Yeah, she was like, so is that it? She just she owned her coming in there. Like, don't mm-hmm. come in and fucking ask me a thing. Yeah, because I don't give a shit. So then then uh, they cut to Stabler's with his wife, um, whom I love. Mm-hmm. Um, a parent teacher conference thing and his phone's ringing and he gets up and it's just kind of showing how like he tries to balance his family and his intense job. Yeah. So then he's on the phone and you know right away it's obviously Olivia calling him to be like, well, I just went to this and, you know, and he's like, what were you thinking? I thought you could handle this. Did you tell her she's a suspect and blah, 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 blah. And then his wife side eyes him like, what are you doing? Yeah. We're sitting in tiny chairs talking to this like fourth grade teacher or whatever. Mm-hmm. It goes to Olivia at dinner with her mom talking about the case, which... I know she's in rough shape, but I thought that cops couldn't talk about ongoing investigations. Like, yeah, I don't think it goes to dinner and her mom's drinking a glass of wine and she's like, so you think she murdered him? <laughs> hmm. like, I thought that was so weird. It's like really. It's uh, like, mom, quit it. So this is this is where we learn of Olivia's history, that Olivia is a product of rape. Her mom was raped, kept the baby. It was Olivia. But she's processing a lot in this moment. And she tells her mom like she's honest with her mom and she believes wholeheartedly that Marta killed her rapist and she's like you know if you had the chance wouldn't you do the same thing and her mom's like well no because would you want to grow up with me in prison I had a little kid I wasn't about to yeah do anything to not be there for you but of course her mom was like I mean like yeah like initially that's your first 
she comes from like a she's coming at this job from a very very personal place but then all of a sudden it's Benson and Stabler talking and she doesn't she says she doesn't think Marta's the killer and she completely changes her tune even though she like knows in her heart that she did they go back and forth Stabler like Stabler can see she's full of shit yeah, he knows. He knows right away because she's giving him like she's like tapping her pencil and like doing all kinds of shit. I'm giving him some bullshit about like, well, I mean, I looked at her hands and she didn't have any cuts on her hands and like there's no way. So and she had an alibi and he's like, yeah, she was the only one there. Like we would never believe anybody that said that they were in their office and nobody else was there. She's like, well, that's what she said. Moving on. So they go to visit the next person on the list. There's three more people on the list. So they go to the Sarajevo restaurant. Anya Gova, and they're basically like, hey, do you know this dude? And she's like, oh, yeah, for sure. He murdered my husband and my four-year-old grandson with a hatchet. Cool. Great. Okay. I mean, everybody's got a fucked story to go with this guy, so I just, like, can't emotionally process anybody else's. She has an alibi, quote-unquote alibi, and a hand injury that she claims is a kitchen accident. As they leave, they discuss that they don't believe that she doesn't know Marta, and also that her wound is on her left hand. So they do this little detective dance. They do this a lot. Olivia's like, oh, there's no left hand wound. And Elliot's like, yeah, because she's left-handed. And Olivia's like, she's- No, no, no. her left hand was wounded. She was like, yeah, but she wrote the check. She wrote her name on the check with her right hand. He's like, yeah, did you fucking see it? It was like a child scribbling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So- That bitch is left-handed. So he's saying she's left-handed. And he's like, and we're going to find out because we're going to get the DNA match off the fingernail. You know. Mm -hmm. And Olivia continues to protest. And Elliot's just sort of like everything that she comes up with because she's trying to, now we can see she's trying to protect these women. He is coming back at it with just their basic police work. They're back talking to the guy who chased them out of the diner. And they have photos of the two women, but he can't give a positive ID because he's like, I didn't. I didn't see them. It was shadowy and dark. He's like, I know they saw us because we were in the light. Yeah. And I I know for sure I just couldn't make them out because it was dark out. It's like, they saw me for sure. And Stabler's like, boom, TV cop work right now. We're going to arrest the women and tell them that they've been ID'd by this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, And they'll believe it because they saw him. So they'll believe us. And Olivia's like, what what do you mean? We're just, they're going to leave like within however many hours past holding it is. And he's like, not if they confess. Mm -hmm. So... He's got this TV cop plan. Ask me if it works. <laughs> uh, Mar- so they go and arrest Marta the Artitech. The- Marty the Artitech. <laughs> Marty the Artichokeart. <laughs> Marta the Architect is under arrest. Benson, when she gets like a moment with her outside the car, she's quietly like, keep your mouth shut until you talk to your lawyer. Don't talk to anybody. Don't say anything. Just yeah. really trying to... She's just protecting her at yeah. this point. Uh, Munch walks up because he fucking needs to be there. And he's like, hey, Miss Slice and Dice, fucking hate you. Anya, the restaurateur, is well, then. It's funny because he wanted them separate. But then, like, when they get to the restaurant, they take Marta out of the car. Mm-hmm. And they, like, see each well, other. I caught that, too. When Elliot was on the phone after that, he was like, oh, yeah, well, let's keep them separate and da-da-da-da-da going on. He was having that conversation on the phone in front of Marta. So I think it was for the way he was talking. I think it was for her to hear, not because he was actually saying that because then they took her with them when they went to arrest her. When she sees Marta outside, she grabs a knife from a table. 
uh, guns are drawn, and she stabs herself. They try to stop her bleeding. So she's quietly and achingly says, please don't help me. Mm -hmm. She pulls Stabler close and whispers something inaudible to him. So they're at the precinct. Anya died, obviously. She she was bleeding out. Um, Marta tells them exactly what happens. How they they planned it out. They're the ones that called to see when he worked. What was it? One of them was in a cab and, s- and saw him or, or heard, could tell by his voice right away and then called Anya, right? And they like planned this up. Yeah, but it was it was premeditated. Anya called Marta. Yeah, it was premeditated mm-hmm. for sure. In the court, or not the court, but the DA or whatever her name is. I love her so much. DA Carmichael. D- DA Carmichael is like, how about man two, manslaughter two with like severe emotional distress. She'll get 18 months in like a psych facility low bail she'll be like out to have dinner with her son right because the the goal is that if she can get his war crimes into evidence plus the suicide of her friend um she'll get the 18 months in a psych facility yeah Fergus like get in my office now he's pissed because he's like what kind of bullshit is this you know you know it wasn't just like uh they randomly like got in a cab and each had like five to seven inch like knives on them and you know like it was planned out and olivia was like we did what we had to do so I can sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. Because she's the heart of the unit. And Craigan was just like, you've used your one and only jail. Get out of jail free card. I fucked that up, but I'm not an actor. There's only one in the pack. I don't know why he had to say that last part. He could have just like left that pack part out. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, that was embarrassing for everybody. Yeah. So then what did Anya say to her, to Stabler in her dying breath? She said, I just want to be with my family. Every week we're going to follow up our episodes with the true crime chaser. That's just a true crime story that goes hand in hand with the episode because it inspired the episode or because it relates in some way content wise. I hated reading all of this shit. Like when I do a chaser, I read I read a bunch of articles. I watch a bunch of interviews of different like news stories and stuff. And I hated reading about this. I found myself ashamed that I knew very little about the Bosnian War and genocide. Obviously, this SVU episode has a lot of true elements to it because it was based on that having happened. Okay, so I only have a little snippet of a story, Mm -hmm. but it's impactful and it really lets you know what the experience of these women were like, these women that went through this. This is from an article written by Sue Turton. In July of 2017, titled Bosnian War Rape Survivors Speak of Their Suffering 25 Years On. Mm-hmm. Reina was in her village in Breko District on May 9, 1992, when Serbian soldiers attacked, set fire to her neighborhood, and took her to the woods. Uh, she said, I quote, There were many soldiers in the field. One of them told me to undress, but I said no. He hit me and pushed me to the ground. It was the same man who had set fire to my house. Then he raped me. The other soldiers stood around and watched. He told them to rape me too, and so I was raped again, twice. She would have been killed, but one soldier convinced the rapist with the knife to her throat not to. He was just like, wait, you have a sister. And that convinced the guy not to kill a woman he just raped. Like, these guys just raped her, and then they were like, but don't kill her, because you're better than that. This is the thing I hate about the whole, like, trying to get people to care about like 
rape not happening and stuff. And they're like, how would you feel if your sister or mother, how about you? It doesn't matter. How about it's because they're a fucking person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to like, oh, man, I only realize that I don't mind if people are gay because I have a gay son. Right. It's like, no, how about, it's just, how about fuck you? Okay, right. sorry. Go ahead. After the war, she reported the rape to the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Uh, She believed the initial rapist was a neighbor from her village. Do you Mm. see how all of this lines up with, like, the content of the episode? Unfortunately, she was able to recognize him in post-war photos because they only had photos of him after the war. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, if it was years in the military or whatever. Raina went on to marry and found herself in an abusive marriage. An extremely sad statistic is that for 95% of the women who are on record as having been raped, abused, or assaulted are now victims of domestic abuse. Oh, my God. She attempted suicide in 1997. It follows her everywhere she goes. She was quoted in 2017 saying, I feel I am dead even though I'm not really dead. I often wish I had died that day. The only comfort I can find is in telling myself that I am not alone. I talk to other women who have been through the same thing and see how they are coping with it. If I'm busy at work, then I can forget sometimes. But the most vivid memories in my life are the ones from that day. Dude. It's estimated that 20 to 50,000 girls and women were sexually abused during the Bosnian genocide. Since the end of the war, very few perpetrators have had to answer for their crimes. Many of the surviving women see their rapists in their daily lives. Oh, my fucking God. I know. Doesn't it make you feel like I felt like I'm reading and reading and reading this stuff. I was alone in my office going, oh, I'm embarrassed that I don't know more about this. Like, this is a huge chunk of history. Well, we were I mean, when this was going on, too, we were kids. Yeah, but I know about the fucking Holocaust. I I was going to. Yeah, I don't know. All I remember is I remember hearing about the Bosnian War and knowing it was bad, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know about like the there was so much rape happening. Yeah, I'm sure that that's a common narrative in war, but it was it was it's a huge part of every story that talks about it is about like the crazy raping that went on. Actually, the Holocaust, the people that survived the camps and stuff that mm-hmm. were, like, taken to safe places by, like, you know, Russians and Americans. And they were, like, having to camp to get to places with these soldiers. Yeah. They were raped by their the people that saved them. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Can you imagine? Can you fuck? I mean, no, I can't. But, like, you survive the fucking Holocaust to be raped by the soldiers that fucking save you. You're just not safe any fucking, any, I can't. Go ahead. Anyway, thanks for listening to our comedy podcast. <laughs> I was with Meg today when we went to the seafood boil thing. Yeah. And there was a guy just walking down the street and he was just kind of walking like this and it fucking infuriated me. Like you have to describe. He he wasn't, he was just walking with like a man gate kind of, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck dudes. Like fuck men. She's like, I fucking know. Like you don't have to walk like that. And we were were just like, it wasn't even like swag or anything. I was just like. Oh, maybe he did it because he wasn't limping. Deeply insecure. No, he was just maybe living his he's life. Trying to, he was living his he's, life. He's trying to alpha himself to other men because he, because exactly. he feels scared. Exactly. Fuck all men. Fuck everybody. Mm. There was another guy too. With their- oh my God, <laughs> do you remember the movie Suburbia? Which one? The one where Steve's on. Yes. And she got the puffy shoes and she's doing that dance. Fuck all the men. <laughs> yes. 
I was a wanted with, to be her when I was a teenager. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I want to be when I'm fucking 22. There was a guy earlier than that, too, that had a, had a beard. <laughs> Just a beard. It wasn't even a long one. And Meg was like, oh. <laughs> he was like looking up the stoplights and was, Meg was like, look at the fucking guy with the beard looking up. What a fucking loser. <laughs> she was like, fuck Meg. I was like, let's go get our crab on, dude. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. It was just one of those days, you know, where you're just like, I can't with how men are raised and get to be and with your walks and your beards and your... <laughs> oh, fuck off. You love a beard. I fucking do. <laughs> I do. I for sure do. Oh, my God. If Stabler had a beard. I've never seen him with a beard. I got to Google that. Yes, you have. In no. Wet Hot American Summer, he has a beard. Oh, I suppose. But it's kind of more like, remember when he hunts that fridge? But he's like, butt's moving all slow, and it's like. Yeah. Well, this has been fucking super bummer, and I hate this podcast. I hate it, too. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.